This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to Action Movie Rewind on Mackie and Joe, where we do deep dives every week into some of the most prominent, popular action movies of all time. And gentlemen, uh, we've stumbled into a movie here, kind of sort of a, a, a legendary uh, cult mm-hmm. favorite yeah. that none of us had ever seen before. 1987 RoboCop. Here's the summary. Let's get right into it. In a violent, near-apocalyptic Detroit set in the year 2043, evil corporation Omni Consumer Products wins a contract from the city government to privatize the police force. To test their crime-eradicating cyborgs, the company leads street cop Alex Murphy into an armed confrontation with crime lord Boddicker, Clarence Boddicker. So they can use his body to support their untested RoboCop prototype. But when RoboCop learns of the company's nefarious plans, he turns on his masters. <laughs> this movie generated a 91% ra- uh, score on Rotten Tomatoes. And the Rotten Tomatoes critic- critics consensus says, while over the top and gory, RoboCop oh. is also a surprisingly smart sci-fi flick. That uses mm-hmm. ultra violence to disguise its satire of American culture. Yep. A fourteen million dollar budget turned into fifty three million dollars at the box office, and then God knows how much more in merchandising and uh, VHS sales and stuff. This movie sequels. was yeah, see the sequels. So this movie actually sold for ninety dollars VHS out of the gate in nineteen eighty seven. No. Yeah. Oh my God! You're kidding. I mean, you were around during the peak of the VHS yeah. period, right? I mean, was it that there was that much money to buy a VHS? You know, I vaguely recall that because I I want to say when we we got our first uh, v, VCR in about 1981, I think the tapes were like just the blank tapes to tape stuff on were like 16 bucks. Yo, wow, that's pretty expensive back in oh, the day. Oh, it's very expensive, mm-hmm. but I don't recall the 90 dollars for. So is, is this is this barely before like Blockbuster where where they had to be bought? Because I think Boy, this, this was is, in the heart of the blockbuster. I think this is right era. in the let's see here, blockbuster. Uh, no, the heart of the blockbuster era, I think, was more the the mid '90s and then trickling into the 2000s before Netflix kind of met its demise uh, or, or caused its demise. Um, yeah, see, so blo- block- blockbuster yeah, was founded in 1985. Okay, so, so it was yeah, it so had Dex is right. Okay. So the, like the '90s, it, it really expanded throughout the '90s and then peaked. Like late nineties, early two thousands. Wow. And then and then Netflix in the early two thousands, Netflix they I think Netflix was like trying to be, get bought. You know, they were they were, We think, subscribed to it. 
Yeah, we, I did too. I still have co- a Coach Carter DVD that I haven't sent back. You are in so much trouble. <laughs> so, uh, so this was one of the early, like the peak of the V, like VHSs were were on the rise here, VCRs, and this was one of those movies. Uh, so here are a couple production notes, and then we can get into the, our statements about RoboCop. Around six to eight months were spent searching for an actor to portray police officer Alex Murphy slash RoboCop. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Tom Berenger, Armand Asante, I don't know who some of these people are, Keith Carradine, oh, yeah. and James Reamer were considered. Yeah. Orion, yeah. the production company, favored Schwarzenegger, obviously, the star of the recent success Terminator, but Schwarzenegger and other actors were considered too physically imposing to be believable in the RoboCop costume. <laughs> okay. Okay. Interesting. The scope of the RoboCop costume was unprecedented, both in design and construction, uh, exceeded cost and schedule. It took six months to build the costume, and there were like eight different versions of it with like some with bullet holes, you know, some whatever. Uh, they used flexible foam latex, semi and completely rigid polyurethane, and a fiberglass helmet to build the RoboCop costume. Arnold, Arnold would have been, I mean, th- this was in some ways so close to the ter- Terminator franchise. Yeah. Arnold would have been a terrible choice. I mean, he's a huge star at the time, but like, w- what would have separated it then? <laughs> yeah, it would have, it would have felt very much like Terminator. Yeah, just sort of a like a knockoff Detroit Terminator. Yeah. I'm glad they didn't go with him. Yeah, I, I agree. So, all right, well, let's start with Judd here. We'll go around the room here. Statements about RoboCop. All right, I'm going to draw a parallel in my statement between this movie and Point Break. In both cases, I started to watch them, and I'm like, this isn't any good. Like, I, what the heck? The acting is bad. Or in this case, it's not their fault because of, of the time it was done. But the special effects are terrible. And about, I don't know, you know, 45 to 50% of the way through, I'm like, now I get it. Now I get this film. And I ended up, and Phil, you, you used the perfect w- word. And, and this is where Terminator's different. Terminator to me was a mainstream blockbuster hitch, you know, Schwarzenegger being Arnold. This was a really good cult film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's really weird and it's disturbing, but yes, it 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 makes fun of things like it uses grotesque violence on purpose as a spoof. So anyway, long story short, I started off like this is going to be a long film. This is going to be boring. <laughs> I ended up really enjoying it because once I got it, I bought into it. Okay, I remember it be as a kid because I was born in 1985. I my first the first movie I ever remember watching. Well, there's two of them. Uh, Batman with Michael Keaton from 1989 and Ghostbusters 2 mm. from 1989. So I, when I was four years old, I, or I, th- I might have been like five because we probably rented the VHS or something. I don't, I don't think I was in the theaters watching, watching those movies. Uh, but, I, but I remember, so I, I, I have conscious memories of popular movies from 1989, 90, 91. And I remember, even though I'd never seen RoboCop, I remember RoboCop being a part of the mainstream or fringe mainstream culture. It was a thing. There was a sequel that came out a few years later. I remember there was like RoboCop toys and Toys R Us mm-hmm. and stuff. So it, it was definitely a thing, but it wasn't as big of a thing as when you're a kid, you kind of blend them all together. You got Superman, Batman, RoboCop. Terminator, you got all these like superhero or villain things. 
So I, I had a hard time distinguishing what was. What, and then as you get older, you're like, oh, Batman. Had go, Batman is, goes back, you know, a hundred years, and Superman goes way back, and RoboCop was just this thing that they created <laughs> in '80s pop culture. But I do remember it being a thing as a kid for sure. Yeah. All right, Dex, you want to go next year? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um. <laughs> so my my statement is. Uh, 15 minutes into this movie, okay? Let me back up before I give my statement. When the, the, the other machine absolutely obliterates that guy in the office. Awesome. <laughs> I mean, obliterates. To the point where someone in that office says the words, uh, call the paramedics. That guy is deader than dead dude like he is his chest is everywhere his limbs are everywhere there's no paramedic that's going to save him and then i realized throughout the course of this film that every time a bullet is hit with any by anyone takes a bullet they do not realize the pain tolerance of a bullet like the, the more unrealistic thing to me in this movie is not a man becoming a machine and, be, and then turning into yes. a cop and then turning yes. against it. It's the fact that human beings can withstand this many bullets. When RoboCop yeah. first dies in that mob, he like gets his hand blown off and he's just like, yes. oh, 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 okay. Uh, he he's, would be yes. in excruciating amount of pain. Excruciating. Well, how, about just the, gets how, how about the gal at the end? The gal at yes. the end gets rocked with like five shots and she's just <laughs> like... Oh. She's still just like awake, laying down. It's like no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my my state. It's more unrealistic that the human beings taking bullets in this movie that that is more unrealistic than a man becoming a machine. That it was hilarious. I found it super funny, dude. I'm glad you brought up that scene. It's like 12 or 15 minutes in, and uh, this won't be my statement. I, I will give you my statement that uh, that I had that you kind of took here. It's it. That is one of the craziest holy bleep scenes I can ever recall in a movie. So they, you know, they bring in that they are right, we're going to we're going to show a room full of corporate suits. This is the new Ed 209 robot police officer. And, you know, you have 20 seconds to put your weapon down and he puts it down. Ten you have 10 seconds to put your weapon down. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And they Catch just spend off. a minute lighting him up. And then my favorite part about that scene is, so, I mean, th- th- these people witness this horrible thing. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, this robot just absolutely obliterates this human being. And you're all watching it happen. And they all just kind of shake it off and go to lunch. Yeah. You know, one of the guys in the room <laughs> is like, I'm sure it's only a glitch. It's just a temporary setback. And then they all just, like, go about their day. In fact, the unprecedented amount of damage to that corporate office. I mean, how yeah, many yeah. robotic police gunfights took place in that conference room, in that one in Dick Jones' office? Just incredible. Dick Jones was great. Oh, we'll talk about Dick Jones. <laughs> Dick Jones. Absolutely. Um, all right, my first statement is, I love this movie's interpretation of what the world will look like in 2043. <laughs> And this happens in a lot like it happens in Back to the Future where you've got some idea of the things you're looking out. For instance, in this movie, there's a commercial for the Family Heart Center, which is a medical facility that sells implants and designer mechanical hearts. So you can choose your heart and they're and they've got a, a, a series seven sports heart by Yamaha. So you can choose your heart and it'll and presumably maybe that's why people have a higher pain tolerance. Their heart's just like pumping more blood or something with these mechanical hearts. But um, I think 
the fact that they can they can look out on the horizon 40, 50 years down the road and say, oh, we'll probably be able to just replace people's hearts. But yet they're still watching the local news on a 25 inch box yeah. TV. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the cars all pretty much look the same. So that's on one the thing hand, about. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like back to the future is hilarious, too. Like we can we can time travel and we can you know, we can basically puddle jump between the 50s and you know, the 2000s, but we're all still watching box TVs from Zenith. Magnavoxes, yeah, Magnavox and Zenith televisions, dude. They, and people are still predominantly getting their news from cable TV and local, you know, the, the local news. Coming up next, we'll tell you what happened in Detroit. It's, it's just funny. And that's why it's very loosely, in, in my opinion, a sci-fi film, because it's not really, like, like they embrace uh, the message. Sure which, yeah. which is great, but like the sci-fi point uh, uh, to Phil to what Phil is saying is very. Um, they they basically pick and choose things. Yeah, because like if you were to do a true sci-fi film, it would be a completely different city. Like that's Detroit. Like it looked in the seventies. Yeah. So yeah, so they <laughs> so they very much decided. You know what? I, I mean, to me. And the thing I, that I liked about this film ultimately was they cared about the message. They didn't really care if you bought into like this is sci-fi or they didn't give a damn. They cared about the fact that they were basically trying to send what was to a certain point a poignant message through basically over the top humor. Which thank you for your cooperation. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do you guys think in terms of so this movie was filmed or released released in 1987? It's set in 2043, and I don't know that they ever said that, but I, I looked it up on some website that it was apparently set in 2043. So this movie is set 56 years into the future of when it was released. What do you think the world will look like in 2078? Uh, or no, yeah, 2078, 2022, yeah, 50. What, what, what will, how will people be consuming news? Judd, you'll probably be long gone by then. Unless, you know, maybe medical, so. medical no, advances. No, 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 Judd, no, Judd no. will want to be done. He'll, he'll help me. I, he'll have I don't want to be alive. Him. I mean, I'll yeah, be done. I don't want to be like alive. Yeah. years old. Um, that's, you know what? I think we'll have, um, I think everything in life by then will basically be a la carte. Like, you won't have to have, like, a satellite, cable. You, you won't even have to have channels you don't want. Like, everything... Oh, you, that, that exists now. That, that, well, that, it, that's the thing now. It, it does exist now, but I'm saying it'll be more fragmented. Everything will be like, I watch five things, that's it. Instead of, like, I still get these packages, or I, I get, like, you, YouTube won't exist, right? Like, that's going to be gone. So it'll be some type of thing that you can actually, like, control way more. Which is actually not a bad thing. Teleportation. Please make teleportation a thing. I, by see, then. I don't think or, that's or just gonna... or just improve the. We have, I feel like, hit a wall when it comes to transportation in the last yeah. like. Have we though? In the last like fifteen. Nah. What, what is what is the biggest upgrade that's happened in transportation in the millennium? Well, I think we're like we're we're able to go. I think we're more focused on life beyond Earth, right? So I think the fact that we've been able to send a rover to Mars and the fact right. that. So, to you, but but to your point, yes, there's probably things that we could technologically do that that it's possible to have you know self driving vehicles, for instance, that didn't exist 15 years ago. Right. But to actually implement that in practice within the infrastructure of a country is way 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 harder oh, yeah. than all right. We'll just get a bunch of self driving vehicles on the road. Well, no, that what do the what do the roads look like? How do we integrate with people that like can't afford self driving vehicles? Flying cars. I I just don't see it. 
Well, that's that's an even more of an infrastructure nightmare because what do you do when they crash into each other and they both well, hit the ground? There are people get below in danger. And here's like, the one problem: the Jetsons had it wrong. The pro- yes, but here's the problem. Here's the problem that we never consider: the stupidity of man will always stop us. Yes, because so, because like like the most brilliant person, which is awesome can come up with this whole thing of, you know, okay, here's what we're going to do. Flying cars, blah, blah, blah. But there are way too many stupid people that will never execute it properly. They'll, they'll try and fly their car drunk still, something. I don't know. But, but like, we, we never consider that, that what stops us is people. Yeah. yeah, but, yeah, well, yes, but I don't think you're giving enough credit to how much mankind has advanced itself in the last 100 to 120 years. Think about how long was, and there might be debates about this, but how long was the Earth in existence? Millions and millions and millions of years, right? And then all of a sudden, like in the early 1900s, someone figured out, oh, we don't have to ride horses like we've been doing for millions of years. We don't have, so for millions of years, you could walk or you could ride a horse. And those are pretty much your two options to get from point A to point B. Or you could attach a carriage to a horse and you could sit while the horse walked, and you don't have to, like, sit on top of the horse. That was a big innovation, the carriage, right, the wheel. And then someone came along and invented a motor-powered, a gasoline-powered car. And then someone invented something that flies in the air from point A to point B. And, and from the, like, that's, that's not that long ago. Like, 100 years ago, you had to ride a freaking horse to go from point A to point B. And now we have self-driving vehicles that we're trying to figure out how to make work within our infrastructure yeah, without people, without so people well killing with, each other, you know? Right, right. <laughs> and I, I also think a big part of, of our problem is this. We're always going to have a large faction of people who are, who are rich because of past practices. Like, like the electric car is awesome. Like, that's a great, but, but guess what? Gasoline still exists, right? And a lot of people make a lot off of that. So, like, you, you've also got, got to push those people out which is very and they don't difficult. want to be pushed out and they don't want to be pushed out and yeah. and and the problem is they have lobbyists who you know also <laughs> grease sk- political trail grease skids no i'm just saying i'm just well, saying you know what a happened lot of in california and washington is they have banned starting in the future like in 10 years they they are banning the sale of gasoline powered vehicles yeah and so oh. at, at some point at some point I, you will not be able to buy a gasoline powered vehicle oh my god I, i'll be curious to see if that takes place that's interesting well no, i mean it is like it is it's, it's it is taking, it has been yeah, passed it's in, so. it's in place well, it's been passed but it can also be repealed well anyhow back to robocop Next statement. all right, all right Jack, go ahead. Go. all right so my statement is this so clarence Boddicker, who is the chief bad guy here all right yep, yep. so it turns out spoiler alert that he is not surprisingly working for dick jones and he is like known for killing cops and at I one hate point, cops. At one point, they say we lost five cops last week. It's like, oh, I guess five cops, no big deal. Anyway, at w- in the course of this film, he has a bone to pick with Dick Jones or vice versa, and just shows up at his office for a chat. This is where I love how they're 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 just like, you know what, we are going to make this film work. Because if you think about it, like, so the chief bad guy who's killing cops goes and visits the guy who's got the contract, basically, to protect the cops. That's not surprising. That, You're that saying they shouldn't in be in cahoots. the same room. They shouldn't I'm be saying seen the together. Fact that, I'm saying the fact that he just shows up at his office. I absolutely love that. Uh, yeah, that, that's, a, that's an interesting pairing of volatile personalities between Dick Jones and Clarence Boddicker. Uh, Declan, over to you. 
Yeah, I, I have a Clarence Boddicker statement as well. Um, and before I say it, you know, it first off, it's Red Foreman to me. It'll always be, Kurtwood Smith will always be Red Foreman, the ultimate TV dad in that 70s show. It's like Funny. still probably one of my favorite sitcoms and shows of all time. I have a lot of Eric Foreman vibes. I've, I've always resonated with them. He, it, it's, it's literally one of my favorite shows. And my statement is, what Eric Foreman thinks Red Foreman is, is Clarence Boddicker. Like, like, like Eric thinks his dad is this like scary, hard ass person. And I was then trying to connect the, like the universes between Clarence Boddicker and RoboCop to Red Foreman in that 70s show. So that 70s show is a sequel. It's a sequel. It kind of is. It's a spinoff. Or, or a, yeah, or a prequel. It's kind of like how people say Breaking Bad, like Hal in Breaking Bad or in, in Malcolm in the Middle is a, is a, is a spinoff from Breaking Bad where Walter White actually ran away from his family and became the dad of, of Frankie Muniz's family and Malcolm in the middle. Um, his character, too, in, in general, in RoboCop, I should say, is just a fun bad guy. All-time great user of the F-bomb, too. A lot of great F-bombs from, from Clarence Boddicker in this film. I actually really, really liked him. He was kind of... Like he was a ruthless guy, obviously, but he was kind of also fun to root for. I kind of found myself rooting for him wow, too throughout yeah, the course of the charisma. movie. I thought uh, I was actually kind of rooting for the cocky, the other cocky, creepy executive guy who was uh, hanging out with two strippers and doing coke on the doing table co- before he died. <laughs> well, that's what's his face. Yeah, he, he's the guy that basically invented RoboCop, right? Yeah, and then and then they they and, wound up killing him. And he also, from my original statement, gets like four bullets in his legs. Like, oh, uh, just don't kill me. Like, this dude just got shot four times in the leg. And he's acting like, oh, darn. Like, please don't shoot me and hurt me. Like, you'd be in so much pain. (laughs) Yes. Um, Okay. uh, Next statement here. The Vikings need Robo Center. All right. They've had so many problems at the center position. What if you could just snap your fingers and, uh, you know, hopefully Garrett Bradbury doesn't have to perish for this to happen. But you can kind of take, like, <laughs> Garrett Bradbury's body and then plug a, a football-loving robot into it and fix your offensive line, the interior part of your offensive line. You know, he has no memories of past failures or his family or anything like that. He has one mission. My mission is to protect the quarterback at all costs. I will protect Kirk Cousins and make sure he doesn't get forklifted backwards into the end zone. Maybe we could do uh, like a Robo Rocco. Oh. My mission is to check on players that look to be injured at the plate. I am. He's going already to pretty close to pull that. my starting pitcher after four and two thirds. Third time through the order. Third time through the Rocco order. I just feel like the robot, the robo concept could be applied to Minnesota sports teams and, and help us out quite a bit. Robo Center, Robo Rocco. Robo Rocco. Let's make it happen. He's pretty close, I think. He's, he's like not, he's not, not far from being there. I, I am you need Robo to come Rocco. Devin's mouths are out. Devin's mouths are out. Um, all right. My next statement, and I don't know if you, you guys know about the show or not, but um, among the great references here and like spoof things, because there's a lot of them, uh, the TJ Laser Cop Show that that RoboCop's um, son watched and, and said, "Dad, can you do that gun, gun trick?" is a great spoof off of the William Shatner absolutely awful cop show that ran in the early '80s. TJ Hooker, which you have not, if you have not okay. seen, is among the worst TV shows. Shatner is the biggest overactor of all time, and that show absolutely sucked. But it's hilarious that that they they then come up with the name T.J. Laser as opposed to T.J. 
Hooker. And that's where this film I thought was great. There's just a lot of like hidden stuff and they're just mocking things. <laughs> and uh, that was a great one. Was TJ Hooker after the Star Trek period of uh, way after? Of sh- so he was, he, was he, got, he got famous off Star Trek. Yes. And then, okay. And, and I believe it was uh, Shatner starred, and I, if I'm not mistaken, a young Heather Locklear was a cop as oh, well. Okay. It's a really bad, bad show, but it's worth watching one for because it it's so bad. Interesting. Okay. All right, back to Dex. All right, uh, my next statement is, number one, this is a great comeback story. This is just a great comeback story of a cop who gets blown up, becomes RoboCop, uh, basically kind of also then realizes he's a robot with some human emotions because he can remember things, but he has no connection to them, I think is what he says, you know, towards the end of the film, like, I can feel them, but I don't remember them. Or yeah. Some some type yes. of nature of that. Um, <laughs> yeah, you but couldn't also- tell they were blurring the lines between like, okay, yeah. so, it, but then he, can he feel pain? Because he was getting stabbed at that one point, and he was like, yeah. Ah! <laughs> like, yeah. so, so he has nerves, but he doesn't have a memory? I don't understand. Right. Yeah, it was, that part was strange, but it, it's a cool, like, comeback story of of he also then realizes he's a robot but then remembers his cop part and then turns on his you know robotic people that that made him and then he ends up just like figuring out that there's a whole coop going on in front of the police station that he used to work for so i think uh i think it's actually a really fun and unique comeback story for robocop i wasn't expecting that part i like what they did at the end there too is because you know we didn't find out till almost two-thirds of the way through the movie what the fourth directive was it was it was a like a top secret directive. And then, then we were told you are not allowed to turn on any executive from the company that so we can do illegal. As long as we are executives of this company, we can do illegal things and you can't police us. And then it takes that one guy, uh, Dick Jones getting fired. He's like holding that guy hostage, right? And he, and he, and, and the guy while being held hostage, the guy says, you're fired. Like, why would you, why would you in that moment fire him? You know? Thank you. And Wouldn't you wait? And if he doesn't say you're fired, who knows how the movie plays out? Maybe they make it up to the to the helicopter perch. But firing him opened up, yeah, opened up for uh, RoboCop to make his kill. Um, this movie gives me hope that we will finally have an electronic strike zone in baseball by 2043. <laughs> Should add that to what will the world look like in 2043. So if we've got... If we've got uh, sort of human robot hybrid police officers that can that can record conversations and can decide between good and bad, I think we can probably adjust for the height of Jose Altuve in the batter's box. So this movie gives me great hope no. for baseball. Takes away from the human part of the game. I love the human part of the game. The ball. The I mean, how if Angel Hernandez does not have the plate in 2043, I'll be very disappointed. <laughs> Robo Angel. I am here. This is my game. I run the show. You you are ejected. I'm here to screw you and screw up. (laughs) All right. Um, My next statement is this film is filled with some really bad special effects, but the blood squirting from Boddicker at the end is outstanding. The neck is really well done. Yeah. Like, yes, but I mean, it's well done. It's good. And plus you're so pleased he's dying, but, but like, (laughs) Like, there are some scenes where the special effects are just mailed in. They're just obviously just crappy. And it's, yeah. it's, it's also, what, 1987, so I get yeah. that. But that being said, the blood squirting from the neck was very convincing. There's only so much they can do in 1987 with a $13 million budget for special effects. But, 
Yeah, the like the the blood in general in this movie. I'm trying to think of all the movies I've watched in my life. This has got to be like top five unprecedented gore. Even oh, some yeah. of the like Jason Voorhees Friday the Thirteenth, where they're chopping people's heads off and stuff. I mean, this was like one of the goriest movies I can ever remember seeing. Blood squirting out of people's necks. Declan brought up, you know, when uh, when police officer Murray was still a human being, and he's just getting they they sh- they must have pumped like. 50 rounds shotguns and stuff. They blow his hand off and he's just still like, I, oh. <laughs> I thought for, for a second that, that he was RoboCop at that point. Cause he's being shot so much. I'm like, so is this like, like he's designed as a human or something? Oh, Go, well, his hand comes off and then he gets shot in the chest repeatedly. It was bad. And he's still, and then, and then the guy has to come and he's like, I'm going to finish him off. It's like, Oh my God, he'd be dead. Like three you know, yeah, the shot in the head at the end was probably four a little shots. unnecessary. Gratuitous. All right, Dex, any other statements from you? Uh, just that I feel like we are becoming closer and closer on the topic of what like the world could look like in 50 or 60 years of, of human beings being turned into robots to preserve or take the next chapter into their life. Like, I do think that is a, I don't know if it's possible in 50 years. But I do think we're getting closer and closer to that. That he. What do you mean? Like you think we're going to be replaced by robots? Is maybe not necessarily saying? replaced, but if if we're dying, right? Like our 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 mortal selves are dying, we can then be placed as a robot, and then we live on. So like, you could be I, like, I, like you could be like a robo usher. Judd could be like, yeah. you know, a target field usher. Hello, I am here to show you to your. No, seat. I would not take it. The two thousand and sixty five twins are an embarrassment to Minnesota. Yeah, they our jobs are our jobs are easily replaceable games. by robots, right? Yeah. I'm Judd. I'm here to panic for 30 minutes about what might go wrong. I'm Phil, and I'm here to act smarter than you. And Kevin tell O'Connell you- III is a terrible <laughs> coach. His father's a hall of hall of famer, hall of famer, hall of famer. <laughs> um, I got one more here. I question at the end RoboCop's policing protocol ethics. All right. So, first of all, he's constantly, I feel like, I feel like he's inflicting more violence onto some of these criminals than is, than is needed. All right, you don't need to throw a guy through the glass five times. Just arrest him and bring him in. But uh, when he brought Boddicker in, I think it was, he brings Boddicker in after kind of roughing him up. Yes. And, and, he, and, and then he starts to walk away. He just brings him into the police station and starts to walk away. And they're like, what? He goes, book him. And he walk, turns his back, starts walking away, and they're like, "On what? On what charge? What? What? I mean, with, I think we know this guy's a bad guy, but on what? What happened? On what charge?" He goes, "He's a cop killer," and then he just walks out the door. I might need a little more information there if I'm the police department. I might need a, a, a formal police report or something, or the footage that he banked in his memory. You can't. What, I mean, I can't just yeah. take the guys the the RoboCop's word for it, can I? But what I don't get is, didn't they know that that, that this guy was was a, a notorious cop killer? Like I thought that they had talked about it, and then they're like, "What's the charge?" Well, yeah, but like you, you know, you gotta. There's protocol. You can't just grab a guy and you gotta file a police report of some kind, don't you? Is there any lieutenant cop type in, in an '80s film who's not a holler, hollering, idiotic? Just <laughs> what the hell are you doing, everyone? Beverly Hills Cop, Forty Eight Hours. Dick Jones Robo. was in, was in was one of those guys in Beverly Hills Cop. Actually, yes, he was. Yes, he was. He made all the rounds in the the eighties cop movies. But it's so cliched. Yeah. All right. Any other statements about RoboCop from you guys? 
Uh, I think so. I think I'm good. I, I got one more. The guy, the guy that drives into to the toxic waste scene is really. Oh hard. yeah, that's a don't great touch scene. me, man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love that scene. Uh, just gets obliterated by that car. Uh, my only other observation was just like how haphazard this whole the, the original robot, the the Ed Knight, the Ed uh, two hundred nine, the one that yep. shot up that guy in the corporate offices. So their plan was to just put an aggressive armed robot on the streets with missiles and machine guns, and he was just going to, or they or it, was just going to maneuver around Detroit and blow stuff up. That's the, that was the plan, apparently. Yes, just kill people. Just want to be, want to be clear about that. Uh, all right, let's get to our two rating categories here, presented by our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Uh, Federated is all about the human touch, okay? They're not robotic at Federated. They're all about face-to-face relationships, long-lasting relationships. I mean, their history is rich with innovative, committed people guided by a core set of principles and values, and they've been helping businesses for over 100 years. Find out more at federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. So we've got our definitive villain rating in which the criteria is how iconic, ruthless, and charismatic are they? And then we've got our overall entertainment value rating here. So on the villain scale, Cyrus the Virus, in the rebooted version of Action Movie Rewind here, Cyrus the Virus is the only 10 that we have collectively landed on. Caster Troy from Face Off, Dom Toretto from Fast and the Furious round out the top three. And then we also have the Aliens from Independence Day, Chong Lee from Bloodsport, and Surfer Bodhi from Point Break. Rounding out the top six, uh, the F5 Tornadoes from Twister are tied with Terrorist Igor from Air Force One in the middle of the pack. So I think, I th- correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think we're going with the tandem of Dick and Clarence. Yeah, Dick Jones and Clarence Boddicker here are the, the tandem villains, right? I guess, yeah. I, I mean, Clarence yeah. is the worst guy because we don't know about Dick, Dick Jones for a while. Well, we could say Clarence. Right. No, let's say Clarence. I Clarence, Clarence. Clarence. Clarence Boddicker. All right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, so uh, we're looking for uh, how iconic, ruthless, and charismatic are they in a 1 through 10 rating? So here's my problem, because um, I actually like this guy. Like, like it, it was pretty good. I don't think he's iconic, though. Like, yeah, I, not really. Yeah, I'd never seen, I, I had never seen this film, and, and I certainly hadn't heard about uh, this character before. But he is definitely ruthless, mm-hmm. um, and there's charisma there. Like, like. Dude can act, so it, it's a good character. But I'm going to give it a uh, what should I give it here? I'm going to give it a seven uh, because I think it just completely lacks iconic. Mm-hmm. I, I've never heard of this character. I had I had no clue who played him. Uh, so I'll ding I'll ding the character for that. But I actually think the performance was pretty good. Okay. Yeah, the yeah. performance is good. Uh, he's very ruthless. Judd's right. He's not as charismatic. Um, I. It, it just it, it felt like if Red Foreman was a bad guy, like a really like a really bad guy. That's kind of what this felt like uh, to me. But I I was rooting for him, and I kind of liked him a little bit. I think seven's fair. I think probably I would have it at seven as well. So it's a seven for me. And uh, it's a six and a half for me. We're all kind of in the in the same ballpark here. Yeah, I think in terms of ruthlessness, off the charts, ten out of ten. Just total sociopath, psychopath. Uh, pretty charismatic. Pretty charismatic, a lot of good one-liners in there, personality, you know, just, again, kind of a psychopath. But yep. when you think of RoboCop, you think of RoboCop. Right. You don't you don't think of the villains necessarily. Yeah, so 
I think you got you got to drag the score down here for iconic nature. So with all of that, it's a six point eight score, which puts Clarence Boddicker above the F five tornadoes from Twister, but below Surfer Bodie from Point Break. Probably fair. Okay. And that brings us to the overall entertainment value on a 1 through 10 scale here. The most entertaining action movies we have reviewed in the reboot are Con Air, 9.7, Top Gun Maverick, 9.3, Independence Day, 8.7, Fast and the Furious, 8.5, ahead of Top Gun, Air Force One, and Face Off, which are all above an 8. At the bottom of the scale, we have Days of Thunder is a 4, Gone in 60 Seconds of 4.7, Hard to Kill a 5, and then we have Too Fast, Too Furious, Twister, and Bloodsport all kind of uh, in the middle there. So, All right, Judd. All right. So as I said, I started off um, originally in the early portion of this film uh, thinking it sucked. Um, I, then, I then grew to enjoy it. It certainly was not too long. Uh, I'm going to remain consistent in this week's reviews as far as it comes to numbers. I'm going to give it a seven. Um, here's what I really liked about it. It's clearly a cult classic. Like, like, like it clearly, it, it had a message to deliver and it delivered it and it didn't try and be like to, it didn't try and get outside of the message it was trying to get a- across. Um, it could have been, and I'm glad it was not longer. Like at that time, there were definitely films that pushed that they did not. So I'm going to give it a seven. I liked yeah. it. It's a six and a half for me. Um, it, it's kind of funny and, and campy and, and cheesy, but I actually, I, I didn't mind watching this. I would stop and watch some of these scenes. I don't know if I could do it from start to finish again. Um, but I, it's a, it's a fun movie and it's super gory. And, 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 and I got, I, I found myself laughing at this film more than I thought I was going to, but like in a yeah. positive way. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a six and a half for me. It's a, it's a five for me. I feel like usually I'm more optimistic on these movies than, than you guys tend to be. It was fine. I, I'm glad I watched it. I get it. I understand why it's a cult favorite. Um, I actually, I was, I did not like the main character. I did not like what's his name. And uh, Peter Weller is is the guy that plays Alex Murphy. Murphy. You don't like Murphy? If this was a more famous actor lead, like even like a, I don't know who Arnold Schwarzenegger wouldn't have made sense because of Terminator. But you know, I don't know. Give me. Sliced alone probably doesn't make sense either. But somebody that was just a better actor, just to give you a little more personality. And I get sure. that he's a robot, so he's not supposed to show personality. I was going to say, what you're supposed to do? I just felt like it was a, it was kind of a dry performance by Peter Weller. You know, I just need a little bit more. Show a little more personality. <laughs> he was wearing a helmet through most of the film. <laughs> oh, well, at the end, he had his shining moment. No helmet yeah. for the last 20 minutes of the movie. So that makes yeah. it a 6.2, which puts it right below Twister and right above Bloodsport in our uh, overall rankings here. And so now we got to pick a movie for next week. And we, at some point should do bullet train the theater experience, but, but Phil can't leave his house. Not yet. Anyways, <laughs> I should be able to soon here. <laughs> Testing positive. I have tested positive for COVID for six <laughs> years, but I feel great. I think we should stay on the, uh, the, we have a lot of fast and furious movies that we need to hammer out here. And, I think we should skip past Tokyo Drift and yes. get to That's the Declan fourth. Thing, right? hmm? Yes, you skip. De- yes, Dex said yes. skip that one. Okay. Yes. yes. Okay. So let's skip. Let's skip Tokyo Drift and go right. right to Fast and Furious, which is the fourth installment where you get Vin Diesel back in the mix and we okay. continue on with the real storyline. All right, you guys good with that? 
So yep. this is Fast and Furious. The fast ampersand Furious 2009. It's kind of hard to find, Judd. So if so, if you find yourself, uh, what, stu- what, what am I supposed to do here? Uh, well, way. Even, f- Phil had to confirm with us. You, just so we're clear, we did RoboCop well, 1987. I right? started. There's a, there's a remake. I yeah, started remake. the remake, and then I'm like, this I knew is it. Not I knew right. Judd was going to watch the remake. That's no, why I, I started it. it. I started it, and then I hit exit because I knew because that I believe uh, the the start of that it's it's uh, Samuel L. Jackson, right? I have no idea. I think it is. So yes, wow, I knew that. I didn't even know they rebooted that movie. Two thousand Samuel L. Jackson, huh? I think oh. Samuel. I think it's Samuel L. I'm, I'm not positive, but anyway, yes, I started it like barely, and then I'm like, this is not right. Yeah. All right. So all right. So Fast and Furious next week, and then at at some point, I'd really like to do either Duel or the remake of Duel Joyride with Paul Walker. Oh, there's or, a remake. Paul Walker stars. In the I can movie. tell you right now, yeah, Duel will bore Declan to tears. But Joyride probably won't because it's Joyride might be good. And, and Paul Duel Walker is Duel is interesting, but it is super like it's super it's dry. Free, it, it's pretty. But it's dry. really dry. Spielberg's yeah. first film. So maybe we'll do. Maybe we'll do at some point on our Paul Walker kick here. Joyride. There's I like that so, idea. So many great. I didn't things know that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, let's do that. All right, dudes, there it is. Action Movie Rewind, where we do deep dives into the most popular, prominent, sometimes corny action movies of all time. Mackie and Judd. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. It's crazy to think that a few weeks ago we were talking about whether or not Tua Tagovailoa should consider retiring after two concussions and worldwide debates on player safety and NFL culpability. Tua has done nothing but go back to work and currently has the Dolphins riding a three-game win streak and one loss behind the division favorite Buffalo Bills. While everyone was yapping about the end of his career, Tua Tagovailoa said he'll decide when it's time. And clearly, he's not ready to hang up the cleats. Hi, this is Chris Howard from the Plugged In with Chris Howard podcast. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting up to the minute scores for every sport. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including the MLB playoffs, the start of the NHL season, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.